0: part 4 chapter 24 of martin schuler by romer wilson this liveox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part 4 schwarzwald chapter 24 martin schuler left berlin on the 13th of july in his automobile he felt no regret as the car carried him for the last time down unter den linden again the past was closed down by a departure he sat alone in his blue mercedes thinking of nothing dreaming of nothing but he was experiencing the whole of the rest of his life what he saw as the automobile and his past life grew further apart he afterwards realized the rain was pouring down in torrents the heavy drops pattered on the leaves the words unter den blattern came into martin's mind blattern short and sharp and hard was repeated a thousand times by the dripping trees it might mean something it might mean nothing but whatever its significance martin never forgot it and one may now hear if one thinks fit to go to those rare performances of schuler opera unter den Bletern, unter den blettern 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 Blättern, repeated mercilessly through a whole episode by the violins for hours he lay in the car physically at ease in the luxury of solitude Wolf, Sophie, and the rest of his paraphernalia were in the train. He thought of them for a moment as if they were a couple of boxes, and then solitude came back like a refreshing dream. He dozed and slept in that luxurious car, cut off from the entire universe. They drove through Dresden. The houses passed by him rapidly with the rain in the trees and the pedestrians, like false objects in a mise. The whole of Germany seemed to be swimming in rain the rain beat fiercely upon the car and splashed and spat around the windscreen upon the unfortunate chauffeurs for herr von Schuler never went a long distance without two so that when one was exhausted the other could take his place as dusk came on it became impossible to see the road with the screen shut so bergensen the swedish mechanic opened it and the rain cut and drove in upon their faces Schuller lay comfortably upon the mauve corduroy divan. His dinner-case and tantalus opened beside him. Drops of rain splashed into the car from time to time through the slit of open window. The condition of the weather filled him with absurd joy. The chill, heavy wetness of the atmosphere, the dark gloom of the sky, gave him a memory of Schuller's home, on Lake Titerzay, where in the morning he would find himself in his mind he cried to thor and Voden and the norse gods of violent nature to let loose the fountains of heaven and pour upon the earth an exceptional deluge of rain the endless motion of the car ceased at some point in the night and schuler awoke to the fact that the world had ceased to go round and that death is a negation of movement voices were talking to the chauffeur in a few minutes martin put his head out of the window and said who is this where are we what is the matter regensburg herr count regensburg the authorities of the bridge ah regensburg said martin and got out it was about half-past eleven o'clock at night a group of men came round him at a respectful distance water was necessary sir said the french chauffeur also to cool the car also the authority of the bridge ah the sacred stream said martin advancing to the group of people permit me i would like to look over this is a very old bridge said one man very old very old said three or four others it is still raining martin answered but not as before said the police official martin had on only a thin lounge suit and no hat upon his feet were thin shoes what do you think of the river prince if one may interrogate said a bold late diner out it seems very black said martin who was aware that the river was the highway of europe to constantinople somebody lit a newspaper and when it had flared up let it fall over the black chasm of the bridge the river was too murky to give a reflection that is very beautiful said martin as the newspaper sailed slowly downwards like an angel of heaven into hell your car is ready sir said the french chauffeur martin still lingered at the corner of the bridge looking down into the abyss after a few minutes he said on it comes from under and hangs like hair upon the piers and streams longer and longer till it grows to the sea yes said the man next to him it is always the same water under this bridge we love it it is so familiar our water is so familiar thou art my under and my overgoing. not a rhythm to admire herr count martin leaned over the parapet his eyes were accustomed to the dark he could see streaks of the onflowing river what is your overgoing he said to the man who had spoken to him the man who was young and had the silhouette of one given to thinking made a gesture with his hands to represent the bridge and the river at right angles he said at right angles over and under onwards with motion and onwards without motion but both of them are permanent the ripples around the pier change very little they only change to become what they have been before the road over the bridge is the same mend it mend it and the same holes reappear it is all based on the fundamental structure and the mathematical idea everything is based on the philosophical notion that and the mathematical idea are one martin put his hands on the parapet and stretched his arms so that he stood upright he looked at the would-be philosopher and said over and under in opposite directions there you had a true thought that is the sort of thing i admire but i myself never illustrate glimpses into eternity over and under in opposite directions is enough i shall sleep well to-night thank you we have something in common the man who had spoken felt ashamed of himself as if he had made an object of the description called applied art martin moved and began to get into his car he felt as napoleon felt when he got into his carriage after a successful battle he looked at his watch as napoleon frequently looked at his his head down the timepiece in his right hand twelve he said an idea came into his head you Regensburgians," he said you are a little behind berlin indeed said the police constable the clocks will strike midnight soon martin took his foot off the step does the river cease flowing at midnight he said the police official answered without being able to help himself but no time does not matter to it martin got into the car good-bye he said to the pedestrian crowd to the schwarzwald he shouted to the chauffeur adieu herr diavolo said a voice martin looked out again auf wiedersehen he cried and everybody roared with laughter except the philosopher who was trying to remember the exact words he had used to this prince of darkness in order that while singing his own praises he might not quote by mistake portions which he wished to forget the car left regensburg martin felt the approach of the mountains and forests after midnight the rain began again to pour in fierce torrents as they left regensburg he heard the hour of night echo from a hundred chimes the clock in the interior of the car answered irritably and electrically with twelve wearisome small pings you beast said martin kicking its face till it broke you unsymphonic parasite he laughed to himself and rolled himself into comfort on his couch the car advanced southward in that intense black night the french chauffeur had in his mind the whole of the road from berlin to his destination its chief contours towns and proportions were present to his sight like a narrow white nerve in the darkness of the night it lay before him and his senses were all of them aware of the familiarity not only of the part he had just traversed but of the part he had yet to traverse he was interested in the grand prix he insisted upon driving the whole way in order to establish a record and the swedish mechanic who preferred slumber and occasional sweet draughts from a bottle of cognac to straining his eyes and establishing records made no objection in the woods below regensburg martin opened a window of the car he sat close beside it and allowed the wetness to strike his face the woods stood silent in the merciless downpouring of the rain black and dark were the caverns of the trees under the boughs a wind stirred and in a long series sounds of scattering drops ran from end to end of the forest roads the wind passed and again all was silent and still save for the endless unrhythmic pattering of the rain the motion of the car was swift and martin fell in it like some vague adventurer of dreams they passed through the woods where in the twilight of evening evil beings hunted the white heart with hideous cries and with savagery caught late straying village girls for a prey where charcoal burners dwelt in huts and in the evening hours gradually became transformed into beneficent old dwarfs who with leafy heads and eyes inherited from fauns pried about to guard late goers where in height of moonlight nights fairies streamed in wreaths among the boughs singing small drunken chanties and making lovers who heard them mad with their sounding honey and music-making flowers they passed through glades where in the depth of night darkness lay deeper than in the shadow of the trees where the sound of human foot or the chime of bells or fairies or any of those things particularly loved by man have never been heard or seen it is the open spaces of the forest that are fearful here there is a void that seizes upon the heart and makes the mind stop the wanderer shrinks back into the shadows where it is warm and there are rough trees which respond to the sense of touch to-night no ghosts or fairies beasts magicians or travellers were on the prowl the rain killed everything supernatural with its wetness the hills with their castles the terraced vineyards near the villages the small churches and wooden houses filled with little people of the size of matches were still silent and asleep in his imagination this was martin's view of the world he sat at the window as the car drove past hill and village over bridges and again into the woods and felt that the world was on a very small scale the french chauffeur had much the same view except that for him everything was further reduced in order to accommodate itself to the dimensions of his half-inch ordnance map martin slept for a few hours again and when he awoke the heavy rain had ceased to fall the car was winding up the steep roadways of the hart's mountains it was still dark but the chill air of dawn filled all the valleys and a wan reflection of the coming day was cast up from behind the eastern horizon Martin pulled the rugs closer around him and changed his position in order to be able to see the rising of the sun. It was as natural for him as it is for most living things to keep himself towards the sun. Last night he had sat looking out of the car in the direction of the west, and at dawn he changed his position automatically eastwards. The car came out in a clearing of the forest, where the timber had recently been felled. The logs still lay upon the ground the pine trees stood around in a wide circle mourning their companions fall in the pale light of dawn like soldiers upon a battlefield slowly the sky became grayer, and the forest soft and dark but not with the black darkness of midnight everything was unsubstantial decomposite like a soft lithograph like a world of millions of dimly colored chalk specks set together in flat masses the darkest green forest the fog-coloured grass that in the widening light became tinged with green the road an indefinite soft pale streak the fallen logs shadowy corpses and faint red uniforms over all hung the heavy grey clouds that in the west were still black with night and in the east faded into the day again the car went into the pines the road wound up a steep place in the hills and when it came out upon a crest the day was near at hand the light came at long intervals in jerks as if thin films slipped off the face of the unrisen sun from time to time a breeze passed over the earth and died away martin leaned out of the window the dawn had come the forest became substantial the grass was full of grass blades the road of stones in the east a long yellow rent appeared in the clouds which began to move towards the west with those curious flat stiff movements of the beginning of the day the rift widened and showed the blue of heaven very slowly the clouds crept away from the light like a host of old whales and half the vault of heaven became opened in the clear upward light cast by the rising sun the turning of the earth became perceptible as it rolled over into the east and Martin felt the instinct of nations to climb up the world westward, so as not to be pitched into the abyss. The colors of the earth revived, birds chirped and moved, and a perfectly clear, cold atmosphere descended from the height of the morning upon the forest. Martin sighed, his soul filled with the perfection of that new day, unwarmed yet by the passion of the sun, unwearied with the consciousness of existence he stopped the car at a high place and got out to enjoy the sensations of the early hour he was stiff and tired with sitting but presently he regained his suppleness and went towards a place from whence sixty or seventy miles of country could be seen in all directions he turned himself slowly around like the hub of a wheel and swept a gigantic circle with his gaze such is the power of the human mind that he saw in that one turn all and everything contained in a circle nearly four hundred miles round. The black, wet night was crawling to the western rim, while in the east the silver of the sun's first rays was striking upward into a sky of amethyst and water-green, where small yellow and rose clouds drifted like falling flowers. The whole expanse of heaven was in fairest light before the gilt sun came up martin returned to the car he had no desire to see the red husband of dawn ravish her beauty the instant of the day's perfection was so short that he wished to prolong it by shutting out its decay from his sight the car drove on and he slept again like a drunken white carouser on his way home from a feast his head sunk on his breast his hands lay on each side of him at the ends of his loose arms the fingers curled inwards and upwards as if they held vanished rose-leaves his feet were crossed his knees wide apart and an odour of dank human breath of cigars and wine hung about him for all that his face had the expression of a sleeping child with pursed lips and drooping lashes and his dreams were foolish charming and fairy-like end of part 4 chapter 24